Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Well, good morning. Uh, welcome. Uh, as you can tell, we're still under construction, uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, finishing out the majority of the major work uh, this week with the HVAC. I think all the electricity is done, um, and so we're, we're getting there. And so uh, thank you for being gracious for just the uh, kind of construction site we're in. Um, and also, just, just so you know, <clears throat> part of the updates too is, um, if you don't know, we can park in the garage. So if you come in through the back, if you go straight, the gate is open. You can park there. Uh, that is free parking. Um, and we keep the gate open during... Welcome to uh, the next summer, uh, not summer, fall series. We are in the fantastic, incredible book of Revelation. And so we are on a journey this week. Hey, let's get excited. For who is that? Anyone here that's your favorite book? Uh, <laughs> all right. it's, it's actually my favorite book of the Bible. Um, I think it's just amazing, the, the, the imagery there. And so we're going to journey over the next 12 weeks walking through it our daily. If you're not subscribed to that on our website, sign up for it. We're, we're sending out passages, walking through verse by verse through the book. Our groups are going to be having discussions, and most likely like we did with Deuteronomy, like we did with Joshua, what we'll do after the end of this series is get and just have a conversation around Revelation. Um, and so I was trying to be kind of cool with it, so I'll, I'm going to call it Ribs and Revelation. So if you want some good barbecue and a good conversation sometime, yes, ribs and revelation, or roast and revelation, we'll do something. Ribs? Ribs, ribs and revelation. All right, we'll do ribs and revelation. But as we jump into this, uh, our series art is there, and the synopsis, uh, just to kind of give an overview of what we're doing. And so revelation, uh, today, my attempt is to kind of give a quick overview of where we're heading in this series and look at a couple of passages in chapter one. But as we look at the book of Revelation, the Greek, and let me say it's the book of Revelation. I think a lot of people say Revelations. All right? it's, 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 it's Revelation, okay? It's, it's one Revelation, okay? It's, it's the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and the Greek word for Revelation is apocalypsis. It's from which we get the English word apocalypse. So as we look at that, just if, if I throw this back out to you in a contemporary understanding, what does the word apocalypse tend to mean today? Doomsday, Doomsday end of the world. You say again? Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Right, so, so when there's a cataclysmic event, be it a hurricane, a tsunami, uh, some act of violence, we might use the word apocalyptic in nature. But the ancient sense of the word apocalypse is unveiling. It means to reveal. In other words, what was once hidden has now been revealed. And so as we go through Revelation, I'm just going to be honest, it is a book that it's difficult to read, right? It doesn't read like any other book in Scripture, right? It's not like the book of Joshua where there's a narrative and you just follow a chain of events. It's apocalyptic in nature. There's lots of symbols, and not everything you read is to be taken literally. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of numbers. You read the book of Revelations come up. I think the number seven comes up many times. The number four, the number six. And these all have significant meaning. 
The book of Revelation tends to be difficult because there's points of disagreement as it relates to what is actually taking place in the book. So, for example, you turn to Revelation chapter 20, and there's the millennial reign of Jesus. Revelation says Jesus will reign a thousand years. Well, there's various views on what that reign looks like. And so you may have heard words like premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial. So it creates dissension. You read in Revelation, and you hear in chapter 7, uh, the, 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 the 144,000. So who are they? And there's different understandings of who they are. In the book of Revelation, you see a lot of tribulation. And so tribulation is a word that often comes up, and there's disagreement. Are we pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip? And this creates confusion as we read the book. And as a whole, when you read the book of Revelation, there are at least four views on how you would read the book. You might be a preterist, and you might say everything in the book of Revelation has already taken place. You might be a, a futurist, and you say this book just is talking about the future. You might be a, a historicist, and they say the book of Revelation divides history into different, different epochs, and different parts of the book is speaking to a different dispensation. Or you might say the truths of Revelation are timeless and transcendent and speak to all people. So as we begin this study... Let's not enter with sides already picked. Let's not enter with our presuppositions. Let's experience the book together. Let's see and let's hear Revelation's message. In fact, when you look at what John is saying, oftentimes he says, I saw, I heard, I saw, and I heard. So I want to invite us to hear the message of Revelation. So I want to read Revelation chapter 1. I'll read the first eight verses, Revelation 1, 1 to 8. It'll be on the screen behind. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Oh, we're hearing it. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the, I am the Alpha, verse 8, and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And this is the Word of God. Let's pray. And now, Father, we humble ourselves to literally sit at your feet and hear the revelation that is Jesus. And so, Lord, as we begin this time together as a church family, would you open our eyes that we might see? Would you open our ears that we might hear? And would our hearts melt in glorious adoration for who you are? May we be so amazed that you are sovereign, that you are king, 
And as such, Lord, we give ourselves to you over the next 12 weeks, asking, Lord, that you might uh, widen our, 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 the lens by which we read Scripture and the lens through which we see Christ. Praying this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, yesterday, National Cinema Day. Yeah, I didn't even know this. It's holidays every day. National Cinema Day. Apparently, September 3rd is National Cinema Day. And so if you went to the movies, supposedly it was like, what, $3. So if you didn't go, you missed it. One day, sorry. <laughs> Next year, September 3rd, National Cinema Day, go to the movies, $3. So, so who likes watching movies? If not movies, who likes watching shows, going to like Broadway or, or watching plays? And so think about it. Let's, let's put ourselves at a, just your favorite play. Maybe it's Hamilton. That was popular a couple years ago, right? They're singing and rapping, and it was about presidents, and I've never watched it, so if I'm wrong, forgive me. <laughs> right? So you're, you're there on Broadway. The lights are off. And you hear the music begin to play, and you know something is about to happen. And immediately the lights come on and the curtain rises. Friends, in essence, that's what's happening in the book of Revelation. We are all in some ways in the dark. We know something is brewing, waiting to see. And as we enter into the book of Revelation, the curtain is lifted and there is indeed a revelation. It's the revelation perhaps we do we need it. The idea of Revelation and this book, it's based upon the ancient Jewish belief that God's sphere of being in operation, the heavens and our sphere, earth, are not separated by some huge gulf, that there is a merging of where God is and where we are. And so most people today, we seem blind to this reality. We only see life from earth. We only see the earthly side of things. And some are aware that there's more to life, but we're not quite sure what it's all about. And so for the ancient Jews, the place where, where God's fear and the, and, and the earth merged was the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, as we walk through the Hebrew Scriptures, see, that was a place where God's Spirit would descend and dwell amongst the people, and thereafter it was in the temple. It was a place where God's sphere and the earthly sphere merged together. And early followers of Jesus, when you get to the New Testament, believed that Jesus had become in person where heaven and earth met. So you look at the life of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and ascension. People could see God clearly. But with each passing day, the question is often asked, where is he now? In your life, you might not be for you. The followers of Jesus are beginning to ask the question, God, why are you allowing followers of Jesus to suffer persecution? Maybe you're here this morning, and that is a question deep down, locked in your heart. God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you just wonder, why me? It's like you look around and everyone seems to have it together and you ask, why me? Why is this happening to me? And for the people of this day, Rome seems to be having their way. Caesar seems to be the one in charge. And the question asks is, am I wasting my time following Jesus? 
I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you wonder, is there any point in what I'm doing? Should I give up? Should I compromise? Should I begin to put down my guards and go the way of Rome? The book of Revelation is written to say emphatically, no, don't give up. Don't compromise. Stand firm. Because at the center of the message of Revelation is a fresh revelation of Jesus. When you read this book, you're going to see things of Jesus that is just mind-blowing. So right now, what's your image of Jesus? I see some nice big savior that you just against. And say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. You read chapter 1, and he's clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head are white like white wool. His eyes are like flames of fire. His feet are like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice is like the roar of many waters. Friends, that is who we serve. And he's awesome. He is great. And so when you read this, may may, may our hearts be just awakened to the reality of who he is. See, in the book of Revelation, it is apocalyptic in its genre. It's not familiar. Use apocalyptic language because of this. In this genre, there is the use of images and symbols to convey hope to a people that are beginning to lose hope. You see this in the book of Daniel when they're in exile. You see this in Ezekiel. You see this in Zechariah. People that are on the verge of giving up. These, these, this, this genre of literature is written to convey hope. And so here's my suggestion to you. As you read the book of Revelation, this is what I was told. Don't take the book of Revelation in one hand and take your newspaper in the other hand and try to make it make sense. You'll be right. take the book of Revelation and see what John is communicating. The main point in apocalyptic genre is to offer a divine perspective on history, especially for those suffering. So John is writing to Christians facing the threat and the seductions of life under the Roman Empire, and he gives insight into the cosmic reality of evil. Like, we, we know there's evil in this world, right? You, you turn on the news, you see evil, you, 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 you hear of evil, but Revelation says there was one behind the evil. There's a dragon, this is Satan personified. When you read the book of Revelation, one of the things that, that uh, we, we miss is insight into his ways. Revelation shows that all he's doing is he's mimicking and mocking what God does. So, for example, when you read Revelation chapter 7, God seals his own. And when you get to what, the, what, what Satan's doing, he's going to seal his own. When you read in Scripture and you hear of the Holy Trinity between uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you get to the book of Revelation, and there's this unholy trinity. You have Satan, you have the Antichrist, and you have the, the um, Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, all mocking and mimicking what the Lord God does. And so Jesus, the Son of God, who died and, was rose, again, and rose again, when you get to the Antichrist, And so what the book of Revelation is doing is giving us insight into the cosmic reality of what is happening. The curtain is being lifted. And the question this book asks is, will you trust God's story? That's the question that's always been asked. Will you trust what God is ultimately doing? 
If we go way back to that garden, Adam and Eve, will you trust? God says, every tree you may eat, one don't touch. Will you trust his story? When you turn to the other pages of Genesis, they are committed, be fruitful and multiply. Make God's name great on earth. Rush the story. By the time you get to Genesis chapter 11, they're trying to make a name for themselves. Will they trust the story? You follow the trajectory of Scripture. God makes a promise to Abraham. I will give you a son, but he's aged and his wife is aged. Will he trust the story? Israel, freed from Egyptian bondage, now wandering in the wilderness. Will they trust the story? Friends, with all that you're going through right now, will you trust his story? The book of Revelation says you absolutely can trust this story. Why? Two things. I'll tell you about God, who he is, and what Jesus has done. Who is God? In the book of Revelation, there are many images that point us to the reality of who God is and the work of Jesus in the latter part of chapter 1. We didn't read it, but you begin to get into the symbolism. You have one like the Son of Man. That's a callback to the book of Daniel. So again, if you want to understand Revelation, here's your homework assignment. Read the book of Daniel. Read the book of Zechariah. Read Ezekiel. And it'll be a good idea to read. Did I say Daniel? Read Daniel. It'd probably be a good idea to read the Exodus. All right, that's like a that's like perfect example. Just had an insight. How many of you like Marvel movies? Marvel movies, if you're not a fan, ignore me for the next 27 seconds. But if you like Marvel, you watch a movie, and then there's a callback to, like, a previous movie. You, like, totally forgot about it. So you got to go back and watch, like, Doctor Strange just to realize what's happening. Right? It's like, oh, wait, wait, who's that? Like, I was watching, I think, one of them, and it was like, yeah, I think it was Falcon and Winter Soldier. And there was that lady in there. I was like, I don't remember. So I had to go back. Oh, Ronan. It was Ronan. I didn't know who Ronan was. So I had to go back and rewatch, I think, Endgame, right? And I was like, oh, that's Ronan. So when you're reading this, you might have to go back and say, wait, son of man, sitting on a throne? Daniel. Daniel chapter 7 talks about. It's huge. So, so, so friends, you need all of the scriptures. So what, what's happening is John is on the Isle of Patmos, and he's saturated with the scriptures. And while in prayer, he begins to see the curtain unveiled and everything that he knows of the Hebrew scriptures, he said, wait a minute, I, I see one like the son of man. And he's like, remember Daniel chapter 7, the ancient of days. And he says, I know who that is. I know who the ancient of days is. It's Jesus. And with excitement, he's beginning to say, wait, everything is making sense. It's Jesus. And so friends, if I ask a question today about who was the answer, there you go. You're not going to get it wrong. All right. So who is God? Chap- oh, that, that was like rhetorical, but you're with me. Love it. <laughs> so, for example, chapter one, you see the Son of Man walking amongst the seven lampstands. Seven, seven lampstands. And you just read chapter one, he tells you what that is. Right? So it's no mystery. He says, the seven lampstands are the seven churches, and Jesus is saying, I'm walking in the midst. And that's an encouragement to the body of believers to wonder, God, do you care what's going on? And John says, wait, he's in the midst of the churches. 
And so friends, know that God is with us. Even downtown home, God walks with us. Turn to Revelation chapter 1 and be reminded that Jesus walks among us. He's the one who overcomes. He's the one who conquers. He's a lion. He's a lamb. He's riding on a white horse. He is the bridegroom. It's pointing us to who Jesus is. And in Revelation 1 verse 4, we see these words. This is grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. To begin this, it is a greeting and peace. Friends, if you hear nothing else in your challenges, in your struggles, hear the voice of the Almighty proclaiming grace and peace to you. And notice who this greeting comes from. This comes from him who is, who was, and is to come. Now, if you've read scripture, there's some nuances there that are giving light to who God is, the God who is, who was, and is to come. Most people, when they talk about God, talk about the God who was. We reference him from a past tense perspective. God did this in days of old. John says, no, the God who is right now. That's the God that is offering you this peace. Who is English language? What should be the natural next thing? The one who is, who was, and who will be. Right? It should be who is, who was, because these are the, 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 the verb is to be, who is, who was, and who will be. And he says, no, who is, who was, and who is to come. That is a promise to let you know that in your life, Jesus can and will show up. He is the God who will come and intervene. This is the story of Scripture. This is the gospel, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This is the word become flesh. He will come. He has come. And friends, there is a promise. Come again. That's what the book of Revelation is explicitly saying. Grace and peace from whom, him who is, who was, and who is to come. I got to calm down. Good Lord. I got, I got you. Just got I got this. This is my favorite book. Just, it's, it's, I'm talking to Joy. He, 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 he calls the book of Revelation the fifth gospel. He calls it the fifth gospel because Matthew, Mark, Luke, John all give insight into Jesus. And the book of Revelation says, let me give you another perspective. But I'm going to calm down. I'm going to breathe. I feel like I'm talking fast. Grace and peace from him who is, who was, who is to come. From the seven spirits who are before his throne. Some would say this is speaking of. So the number seven, Charlie was talking about early when the band was practicing. The number seven, what's the number seven represent? I think most people know this, right? Completion, perfection. So it talks about, so when you see the number seven, it's talking about completion, perfection. So the seven churches, uh, some would say it's not just the seven churches, but it's talking about the entire church. So this is why it is a book that is uh, uh, relevant to all who call upon the name of Jesus. So the seven spirits of God, some would say, is speaking of the Holy Spirit. And so the God who is, who was, and is to come is a callback to Exodus chapter 3 when Moses asked, who should I send? And God says, I am that I am. And so in Revelation chapter 1, the one that is proclaiming peace, and the last, from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ. Friend, who is this book about? Talk to me. It's about Jesus. 
And look at what he says about Jesus. This is the God we proclaim. This is the God you serve. It says he is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn of the dead. He is the ruler of kings on earth. Friends, in other words, he's in charge. Jesus is in charge. So, So if you're discouraged, if you're feeling anxious, so, so, so I'm, I'm realizing I, I tend to be anxious, right? No, not even excited. Like, I'm, I'm afraid some, I'm going to get bad news. Seriously, when my phone rings, I'm, I'm wondering, what's the news? When my dad calls me, I'm, I'm nervous about what he might say. When my wife calls me and I'm at home, I'm at work, I'm just nervous. So I got to be reminded of who Jesus is. Friends, he's in control. There is nothing. Do you not see this? He is the firstborn from the dead, meaning even if death takes me, I'm assured to live again because he is the firstborn of the dead. Right? He is is the king. He's the ruler of So if if you're, and we are just, it is by the grace of God that we are not heavily persecuted. But if you are in a persecuted region and there is a regime that is placing their finger on your life and you're feeling just the pressure of that, Revelation says Jesus is in control. I got to move on. Uh, Wow. Sorry. Forgive me. All right. So he points us to who God is um, and he points us to what Jesus has done. Right. So in, in our efforts to just recognize what's taking place in this book. Our place of encouragement is knowing who God is and what Jesus has done. And so if you, if you don't understand anything in the book of Revelation, if the, if the symbols, the trumpets, the seals, if none of that makes sense, it's okay. Because this book is about who? It's about Jesus. And look at what Jesus has done. So this almighty Savior, firstborn of the dead, the faithful witness, the ruler of the kings on earth, Look at his posture towards us. What has Jesus done? Chapter 1, verse 5, to him who loves us. If I said nothing else, that's, that's amazing. That the one who speaks and his voice is like waters, the one who has the golden sash, whose feet are like burnished bronze, he loves me. Everyone turns their back on you. He loves you. Not only has, does he love you, he's freed us from our sins by his blood. Because when, when, when I say he loves you, we might think, but I've done this. When I say the Savior of the world, his posture towards you is grace and peace. Come to him. Turn from your sin. Turn to him. You say, but you don't know my life. The book of the Revelation says he freed us from our sins by his blood. And then he has made us a kingdom of priests this is a callback to Leviticus, and I don't have time to go into that. Calling back that this is who we are in Him. He loves us. He frees us, uh, freed us from our sins by His blood. And he's made us kingdom of priests. And what's the rightful response to that reality? What's the rightful response when you know that Jesus loves you, that He's freed you from you from your sin, and He's made you a kingdom of priests? What is the rightful response? It's worship. And that's the next thing. John, John is writing. He says, the one, to him who loves us and frees us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. He stops. He says, to him be glory 
and dominion forever and ever. Worship is huge in this book. We tend to read Revelation and see trumpets, dragons, we see death, and we're like, oh no, you're missing the point. What happens after you get the letters to the churches in chapters 2 and 3, then chapter 4, we're taken into the heavenly throne room, chapters 4 and 5, and what do we see? We see all of creation worshiping him. Then you see the seals opened up, and there is judgment. And there is a protection upon the body of believers. And what is the response to God's protection? Worship. You see that in chapter 7. After the seals, you're going to get trumpets. And with each trumpet blast is a woe, is judgment. But after the seventh trumpet, what happens? Worship. Then there are bowls that are going to be released, bowls of God's wrath. You're going to see Babylon fall. And what is the response to God's holy justice? It is worship. And the culmination where we're heading is Revelation chapter 19, where we're all invited to the wedding feast. And what is going to happen at the wedding feast? Worship. And so our rightful response to the book of Revelation should be worship. And so John is on the aisle called Patmos, and he's in exile, being punished for his faith. He's on the outside. But exile has given him time to pray, reflect, hour, and love. You might be like you're in exile. You might be like an outsider looking in. You might feel like you're the only one suffering when you read verse 9. John says, I am a fellow sufferer. I too, I know what it's like. And so here's my encouragement. And so the question, the last question we wrestle with is, if I'm going through tough times, how in the world is God sovereign in all of this? Right? Isn't that what we ask? If God is all-powerful, why am I going through this tough time? Book of Revelation gives us the reason. You see, Jesus wins the victory through his suffering. Because he does, we can overcome as well, even in suffering. And so as I close, usually when you close a gathering, uh, you, you, are you, you've heard of a benediction like good words that are pronounced over the body as they're dismissed. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. When you start the book of Revelation, there is a benediction. There are good words. It says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. I want to invite the band back up. Friends, just reading the book, hearing the words, God's blessing will be upon The book begins with Jesus. The book ends with Jesus. This is a very Jesus-centered book. So as we read it, it, it may be a difficult book. It may be some things we just don't know. We may not have the answer. Talking to Jacob early this week, so we embrace the mystery and still look at Jesus. We've often heard of the child who, Christmas Day, they have their Christmas gift wrapped in the wrapping paper, right? And then they open the wrapping paper and pay attention to the wrapping paper, right? What do they forget about? The gift inside. Friends, if we read the book of Revelation and, and we lose of the gift of Jesus, we'll miss the whole thing. The book of Revelation, read chapter 1, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This, point, this book is going to point us to him, 
and it'll be absolutely phenomenal. I'll close here. Uh, so much more to say, but we got 12 weeks to do it, so no rush. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much just for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that in the midst of trials, in the midst of temptations, Jesus is still Lord, he's still sovereign, and he is victorious. That's what this book is going to show us. He has won. May we see Jesus. May we be a people that as we read this book, as we hear the words of this prophecy, may the promise in this book come true for us that we would be blessed because of it. And to be blessed by God simply means your presence with us. And so, Lord, we give the next 12 weeks to your hands as a church family as we read aloud and hear the words of this book. Thank you so much, Lord, for your love, for your grace, for your peace. And we thank you above all for Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Mindful of him.